Hey everybody, welcome to the third installment of our series. Today, it's all about making it happen. My name is Adam Shaw. And I'm Stephanie Shaw. And this is The Restorationist. Hey Steph, how you doing? So glad to have you back on. Did you enjoy being on the podcast these past few episodes? Yes, it was fun. That's good. It's been really great to have you here. And we're going to have to make this happen. More, see what I did? It was a, it was a play on yes. that you heard that you saw that? Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Wonderful. Okay, so before we jump into the content, we actually forgot to do this last week. And that's kind of give people a family and life update on kind of where things are um, with us and what what's going on. So um, let's start with number one, church. Let's do church, church stuff. So at church, we are still um, displaced from our building. Um, it seems like it's never ending. You're right. Absolutely is never ending. So um, because it's Rona season, everything is taking super long to get done. And so um, we are in a temporary facility right now. We're renting a theater um, slash. I, I guess they kind of do a little bit. They do a little bit of everything there. And I, what's kind of been crazy is every time this other venue we're renting has somebody else come in, we have to tear down. Absolutely everything. Super fun. And and put it away in road boxes and then set it all back up. So this Sunday at we had a tear down we had a tear down Tuesday, last Tuesday, and this past Sunday, um, we had to do a five hour load in. So what else we got going on? Um our church owns a rental property. It was the old parsonage uh from our uh, former pastor, Pastor Levitt, and it it was being rented for a long time, and now we are um, getting ready to put it up for sale. And that's kind of been uh, the management of that's kind of been us. You know, we've been um, dipping our toe into renovating houses, and so the whole family's been involved. And actually, it's going to probably come up a little bit later. It's kind of how this relates into our topic, but the whole family's been all in on helping even Judah. In fact, it is um, it is ten fifteen on a Monday night, and um, we actually got back just a little bit ago. And uh, J- Judah was involved. He was helping. What was he helping you do? Paint tonight. He was helping me paint. He was painting closet doors, and he loves he loves serving. Love love jumping in there. So our hope and prayer is that we'll be able to sell this house and. Uh, it will uh, it'll help us help our church have some money um, so that soon we'll be able to get a new church building, which will be really great. We got one more family life update or yeah, Adam and Steph update, and that has to do with Judah and his allergy. So for those, uh, Steph, why don't you tell people about Judah's allergy for those that may not know? We talked about it a little bit on the podcast, talked about last episode, but there may be new people tuning in that that are unfamiliar. 
When Judah was seven months old, he had his first anaphylactic reaction, and it was a response to dairy. And so ever since that time, we've uh, been down the road of dairy-free, not egg-free. Lots of people get that confused, but it's dairy-free. Chickens and cows are actually two completely different animals. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, uh, and so every year he gets tested and this was his first year that we've ever got back, uh, a good report. Um, his numbers have just continued to climb every time we went to go see the allergist to see how his allergy was doing. They, he just told us it was worse. And so, um, this was the first year that Judah's blood work actually came back, um, and it showed improvement. It doesn't mean that he's out of the water. It doesn't mean he's not anaphylactic. It just means that his numbers are a little bit lower, which is where we want them to go. Because yes. there is a chance um, with most kids that have dairy allergies that that they can outgrow their dairy allergies. So we are praying, and you can pray with us. Please that pray will with be us. one of those children that um, will outgrow the dairy allergy eventually. And so uh, this is how sensitive it was. Like he had to have his, his booster immunization. Was that two years ago? Mm -hmm. Two years ago. And um, he got that at the doctor's office. And we had asked, is there anything in the, you know, in the shot that he could be allergic to? And they're like, oh, no, no, it's just, it's just a booster. Just and saying. then he started to like swell up and sneeze and his eyes swelled, you know, got all kind of one eye was like swollen shut and his face got all puffy. Turns out there's like a tiny amount of lactose, which is milk sugar, that suspends, you know, the different things that they put in there for that immune booster. And uh, that's how sensitive he was. So for those numbers to go down, lets us know that there is hope. So praise God for that. That was, that's, that's a huge kind of uh, really great piece of good news that we have for our family. Um, and so, yeah, that's what's going on with us. Let's jump into the topic today. Today we're we're gonna we're gonna finish off um, this series that that where we're walking through um, three questions for the frantic family, an amazing book by Patrick Lencioni, uh, and uh, he he put together this incredible book where he used organizational design principles and applied them to family, and it super clicked with us because we both like organizational design and administration and. The whole point of this series is to share what we've learned from from Pat's book, which you should go out and buy. And uh, I called him Pat, like I know like, a lot, <laughs> yeah, like we're like good, we're barbecue friends. Yeah, yeah, we're we're buddies. Uh, also, if anyone knows him, I'd like to get him on the podcast. Uh, just you know, just send him my number. There. Just throwing that out there. Uh, but anyway, we want to talk about the impact that that his book had on our family kind of what we've learned, what we've gleaned from it over the time. But the, the overall model has come from him. We want to make sure that all credit goes grow, uh, goes to this book and and the hard work that he and his team put together for creating this content. But it completely changed our life. It did, yeah. And, and so we're going to talk about the last little bit today. But before we do that, for the lovely listeners, Stephanie, why don't you give us a quick recap on what we talked about? Sure. So over the past few weeks, we've taken the first steps at creating clarity in our lives. And so um, looked at, we looked at answering our first question, which is, what makes our family unique? And so what we hope to establish thus far is that your family is not like any other family. And so a lot of times, you know, we brush brush it all with the same stroke yeah you know we judge other families and like look at other people like like they're our family we try to put cookie cutter molds on everyone yes um and so 
But we hope that you've established that you're you're not like anybody else. Yeah. You know, if you're a single person or a couple or a family, like you are completely different. Absolutely. Your values are completely different than everybody else. And so that was the first thing that we hope to establish. And while there are universal principles in the word of God and some common behaviors for all Christians, each family is a microcosm of God's plan for the world. And that has to work out their own, you know, salvation with fear and trembling. Absolutely. But so when we taught this, uh, this session to a small group in our church, um, we discovered that every family that was in the room was completely different. Absolutely. Completely unique. Yeah. It was really astounding when we actually like stopped to think about everybody who was in the room. So it was Adam, you, you and I were there. And so, you know, um, you're a pastor. Yeah. Um, and, you know, our life is very much centered around the work that you do with that. Yeah. And, you know, I work full time. Something we, would, we discovered um, that really set us apart when it, it's like very in, insignificant, but it, it, at the same time, it is significant. And that was we only have one vehicle. Yeah. We were the only family in the whole room that had one car. Yeah. <laughs> like the only one. And sometimes it's a pain, but it is. We realized how that actually affects our family because we will literally move as a family unit. Yes. Um and which so- goes to, you know, one of our values, which is that we're we're family focused. <laughs> we do everything together. Yes, yeah. And so that was something that was very interesting about our family. And then of course we have one son. Yeah. Um, who's got a severe allergy. And so, you know, all of those things, plus many other things, make our family very unique. Yeah. And so, you know, there was another family that was in the group, and we won't use anybody's names, but if you're from Hamilton, you may know who they are. And so they have, you know, two working parents, um, and they commute about 45 minutes each way to church. Yeah. As well as um, she's a nurse. And he's a project manager and one works shift work. So that was, that made their family very unique. Um, there was another person who was in the group. Um, she has two kids and her husband used to come to church and we're still believing that God is working on him. Um, and they both work and they grew up in the city here in Hamilton. And so, um, there's a, another family who was a part of the group as well and they both work. Um, but one of them works shift work, um, and they also live about, you know, a good 25 minutes away from our city. Uh, they've got three kids. She's a cancer survivor, and, um, and one child requires special care. And so, you know, if you try to put everyone in the same mold, it would mold. It would have disastrous consequences, um, because just by just by even talking about these four families, yeah. you see how different each one of the families really is. Absolutely. And so if we try to make everyone have the same values. And, and let's define values again for a second. Um, based on what we covered last week, values are not like, um, you know, the basic minimum standard. Like honest, being yeah, honest. Being honest, you know, being kind. a disciple of Jesus. <laughs> Right. No, it's 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 the how we do things around here. How do we behave around here? The unique core value of a couple or or a family. And so, as you were saying, if if you make everyone try to have the same values, how behave the same way, the consequence is 
would be absolutely disastrous, right? Yes. And so we learned that these values are to serve as a filter over your life and your family. And so once you have those established, now that we've we've done we've we've established our family values or you know our couple values or your personal values, let's move now to what we teased at the very beginning of this series. Um that we would uh, that would be talking about, and that is setting goals and becoming productive, accomplishing your dreams, getting the things done that you feel that you've always wanted to get done but couldn't seem to. So to do that, now that we've answered the question, what makes us unique, we're now going to ask ourselves a second very practical question that will change the way that we grow and we solve problems and we we set goals. It's going to be a model, again, credit goes to Patrick Lencioni on this, of determining real-world priorities and developing an action plan to, to reach those goals. So the question we need to ask ourselves in this episode, or one of the questions we need to ask ourselves uh, in this episode, because we're going to ask you know two really big ones, is what is most important right now? What is our families? What is my, if you are a single individual, what is our top priority right now and the answer to that question will serve as something called your rallying cry so what is most important right now what is the one thing that if it happened it would make the greatest positive impact on your family on your relationships and and answering this question often will provide the quickest and most dramatic sense of relief to busy and frantic and frantic families one thing that we discovered, Steph, is that like every family needs a single agreed upon priority, something that you can rally around for unity and for maximum impact. And and we discovered after years, you know, I know you and I have, but we've read all kinds of books. We've all read kinds of stuff on habits, all kinds of stuff on family, all kinds of stuff on just management and personal growth. But one of the things that that we discovered is that Every family needs a single priority that they can all rally around and work together on. And there are two keys for you to discover your own personal or family rallying cry. There are two keys. And they're simple, but they're they're difficult. Number one, limit yourself to one primary answer. Uh, Stephen Covey in the Covey Group, he did this big research project and 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 put it all down in a great book called 4DX, The Four Disciplines of Execution. And here's what he discovered, that organizations and families, because we've talked about that, that families are... An organization. Families are an organization, absolutely. That they set, if you set five or more priorities, if you set more than five goals, guess how many goals you're going to meet or reach? You're going to meet none of them. Right. If you set three or four goals, you're only going to reach one. If you set one or two goals, you got a good chance of meeting both of them. But one thing that we like about Pat's book is that he goes, forget one to two, forget, forget two. He says, just pick one. Life is too chaotic. Life's too busy. It's too stressful. There's so much going on for you to be able to pick any more than one big priority. And so that's what we want to do. In this episode, we want to we want to show you how to 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 start accomplishing your goals. And the first step is saying, 
the first step, I should say, is determining what is most important right now and and what is going to move the ball up the field for me or for our family in uh, the next little bit. And and for those of you that, that like to thrive on multitasking, I want to give you biblical precedent that there is that this idea of determining a single priority is all throughout the Scripture. You know, Jethro comes to Moses when Moses is overwhelmed and there's all these people that are coming to him for help over their different problems. And there's this lineup that lasts for hours and Jethro comes to Moses and he says, look, you have got to find ways of dividing up the care. You got to have captains over thousands, captains over hundreds and captains over tens. David shows up. This is super clear. David shows up and to, to provide food for his brothers. And he asks a question of his brothers, of Saul, of everyone else that's present there when Goliath is bellowing all of his threats. He said, who will fight this giant? What was David doing in that moment? He was giving people their rallying cry. He was helping those soldiers and everyone there in the valley that day cut through all of the haze of life and saying, what's the most important thing we got to do right now to solve our Philistine problem? Right now. <laughs> right now. And the most important thing to solve our Philistine problem is not, you know, getting a debate with my brothers over whether or not I should be here and, and whether or not I should not be back at the family farm. The most important thing right now is we have to deal with the giant, the giant problem that, that we got to deal with. And so all of these people believed that accomplishing this single time-bounded goal would make the greatest difference in their world at the moment. And this is something that you and I are pretty adamant about when it comes to this part of the whole system, the process. How many times, I can only, we can only speak for us, right? Mm -hmm. How many times have we written a list of like New Year's resolutions mm -hmm. and there's been like 10 things on it? Yes, we want to do all the things. All of the things. How many of the things do we end up doing? None of them. Mm -hmm. Really, I mean, we may have, you know, ticked a couple off that were like once and done items. But, you know, us putting this whole episode series together of, of accomplishing goals is really not about helping you clean out your garage. It's about making cultural change in your life and in your family. Yeah, it's not a to-do list. Yeah, it's absolutely not a to-do list. I love that. Why don't you elaborate that a little bit? What we're talking about is not a to-do list. Elaborate on that. Yeah. So like Adam was saying, it's not a once and done type of thing. So it's not like, you know, I, I want to, you know, buy a house or sell my car or, you know, that's a once and done type of thing. Instead, it's about actually changing behavior. It's picking something that will, you know, affect your life, not just today, but also going forward. So maybe it's something like, you know, reducing our budget so that we can save some extra money. Well, that's a, that's a thing that you're going to do over a period of time and continue to do in the future. Yeah. And, and so I, I think one of the things that happens is when we don't determine that one single priority, we talked a little bit about this. Oh, actually, we've talked about this a lot when I've actually looked over content that we've created since the podcast began is, is we keep, we come, keep coming back to this concept that if you don't, write down, if you don't figure it out, if you don't have a clear vision of what is most important right now, what is urgent, 
what screams at you the loudest is what's going to get your most what's going to get the most attention. So if you don't determine your priority, let's let's imagine you've got your your New Year's resolution. If you don't answer the question, what's most important right now, and and you try to do as you said, like Steph, if we try to do all of the things right, and all of the things are rekindle our marriage, refinance our mortgage, clean out the garage. Guess what we're doing? We're going to clean out the garage. We're going to feel amazing, but the first one is going to get completely ignored. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is what happens to people all the time is that they they stop focusing on the important for whatever is screaming at them, uh, you know, the loudest in the moment. But we fight against that by picking one priority and saying this one thing is going to make the greatest difference in our life. And we're saying not right now to all the others. Yeah. Not that you'll never do it. It's just not right now. It's not right now. So. We have to answer the question, what's most important right now? And two, we need to identify the right time frame. So you're going to give this goal a due date. Mm-hmm. We're going to make this change. We're going we're gonna to put a date on this. And we're suggesting two to six months. Why is that? Anything longer than six months so far in the future? Anything under two months, not enough time to make progress. Well, and it's tempting to procrastinate if you think that you have a year to accomplish something. Absolutely. In in short, we want to create pressure, but also be realistic to set ourselves up for success. And um, Steph, you may hit this at the beginning. I'm 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 not too sure, but like unlike vision and values that never change, this rallying cry, it's going to change all the time. It's going to, it's going to just change all the time. So to determine your rallying cry, just to recap real quick, you're going to answer the question, what is most important right now? And when you, you know, you discover that, you're going to put the right due date on it. And here's here's one thing that's really important for discovering your rallying cry. It's the single greatest priority for everyone in the family. Single greatest priority for everyone in the family. So if you're a couple or if you're a family, like married with children, this is ride or die. We talked about that ride or die principle in the last episode. It's it's everyone is all in. Steph, why don't you talk, why don't you just walk people through discovering the rallying cry? So if you're making notes, you're going to want to make notes when Steph's talking right now. There's going to be some really practical, uh, really great stuff that's going to come up. Take it away, babe. So the best way to determine that priority is to ask the right question in a manner that provokes an honest and accurate answer. So we have to be very honest with ourselves. And we say, um, if we accomplish just one thing as a family, or if there's something that needs to be different in the next two to six months, what would that be? What would that look like? So, you know, maybe it's becoming financially healthy. And, and getting rid of some debt. Maybe that's something that like causes a lot of stress on your family. Yeah. And so that's something that you say, this would really change our life. If we could change this, you know, if we could get rid of the debt, that would change our life. So that would be a good example of a rallying cry. Another one would be maybe to become emotionally healthy. You know, maybe you haven't been emotionally healthy at handling stress or pressure or, COVID, you know, all kinds Absolutely. of stuff, right? And so um, that could be a, another example of a rallying cry is that you want to become emotionally healthy, you personally or your family. I think these are amazing examples. And we found ourselves asking this question 
couple of years ago. And uh, I think it'd be really good just to kind of walk people through, you know, our answer to that question. So you and I were talking and, and we were going, okay, what's the most important thing right now? And we wrote down all of the things um, that we could pick. And then we had to, you know, using, using this model, we had to, we had to literally cut everything else and narrow it down to one thing. And I think something that, that just, I need to, point I mean need to make before we um you know before we talk about our personal family is we had to be really committed to just picking one thing mm -hmm. and it couldn't be too broad right and so like you know in picking your one thing don't say you know we want to be you know we want to be healthier but your idea of health includes finances physical you know Emotional. All the emotional, like in just all of the ways that one can be healthy. No, you got to be specific. You got to be specific and it's got to be, um, it's got to be something that can produce cultural change in, in your life, in your relationships and in, in your family. Mm -hmm. And so we found ourselves at that moment and, and Steph, what did, what did we come up with? What do we feel like it was the most important thing? For us, the most important thing that we could think of was becoming a spiritually healthy family. And why was that? Well, you know, I I found myself, you know, thinking about our son growing older. Yeah. Um, at the time, he was probably about five. Mm -hmm. And and I just became, like, so upset. I, I use the word upset, but just feeling like, I don't know if we're doing the right things to begin to raise our son to become a healthy Christian. Yeah. Like, are we putting in place the right tools for him? Um, you know, cause I know that the church does their part and, you know, but are we doing the right thing as parents? And, and there were so many messages and, you know, this parent does this, the parent does this, your family does this, the church does this, you know, there, there's just so many messages of, of how to, how to do this, that it wasn't clear for me what we needed to do to to equip our son to become a, a godly Christian. And so the the very first thing that we decided together, and I remember we when we when we initially had the conversation, we started off with the you know healthier family and we conclude we included some of the other things, but then we said no, we stopped ourselves. We're like, no, we got to be specific. We got to be laser focused. It's going to be spiritual health. The thing that's going to make the greatest difference and it and it wasn't that you know, we were backsliding or that, you know, we, we didn't love God. We, we were faithful to church. We we're involved in ministry, but it was one of those things where it's like the crossroads we felt our son was at, which I know sounds super dramatic because he was only five at the time, but we take this really seriously. Um, and, and, you know, it wasn't, we didn't want him to be like, like 17 years old and us going, oh my, oh my soul. Like, like you even equipped him. Yeah, he doesn't he, have spiritual disciplines. He's not ready. Like yeah. he, he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. And so spiritual health was the most important thing. There were all sorts of other types of, you know, ways that we could be healthier, but we're like at the end of the day, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And for the level of anointing and ministry that God's called us to, for the, you know, the place our son was at in his own development, the most important thing was that we become a spiritually 
healthy family. And um, so once we discovered that, we had to go then to the next step. So once you've got your rallying cry, once you've got this time-bounded goal, you've got you've got to take this idea and you got to put legs to it. You got to make you got to make it real. You got to make it accomplishable. Is that a word? I'm not sure. <laughs> it's okay, <late. laughs> it's it is very late. So we got it. We had a general statement for us becoming a spiritually healthy family, and that was very powerful. Even just talking about it now, you know, it stirred it stirred me back up. The impact it made becoming a spiritually healthy family. It's us recognizing that for the level God wanted us to serve and lead in, and for the place our little boy was in, that we absolutely needed to become a spiritually healthy family. That was going to make the greatest difference in our life but just us saying that alone wasn't enough right no absolutely not we had to we had to put action items we had to we had to put habits or behaviors to your rallying cry you have you have to add something and and pat calls them defining objectives but you just have to add stuff that you're going to do that will help you accomplish the goal i love the question that you have to ask yourself in order to to accomplish this and yeah. that is what has to be true in mm. order for our rallying cry to be accomplished absolutely and that's so now that you got your general statement you have to do you have to answer the question that stephanie just asked what has to be true what has to be true in order for this rallying cry to be accomplished. And another way of asking what must be done in order for our rallying cry to be accomplished. And here's some qualities about these defining objectives, these behavior things you're going to do is that they need to be specific and they need to be trackable and they need to be repeatable. And so um, the other thing that that I, I firmly believe, and, and we, we did this, is you, if you have too many, just like having too many goals. If you have too many things you got to do in order to reach that goal, Mm -hmm. you're not, you're not going to reach it. It's not going to happen. So we're suggesting three to six. Do you remember how many we had at the beginning? I think it was five, four or five. Yeah, it was, it was, it was four or five, four or five things that, that we had, we had to do. And so, once you've got your rallying cry, write down your possible defining objectives. Write down everything that you can think of that you've got to do or that must be true or um, what must be done in order for you to reach this goal. Write it all down and then reduce them to three, more than three, or, or I should say a minimum of three, but no more than six we settled for around around four. And so so in the process, we said the most important thing right now is that we become a spiritually healthy family. But it was not enough for us just to make that statement. We had to come up with things that we were going to do or stuff that had to be done or things that needed to be true in order for us to become a spiritually healthy family. And Steph, let's let's walk through some of those things. So one of the things that we said had to be true 
was that we had to read our Bible every day. Yeah. And this included Judah. Because it is ride or die. Ride or die. Yeah. And so something that we decided to do for him was not just to read him, you know, little kid Bible stories. Um, but we actually got a, a children's Bible um, for him. And we began to actually read the scriptures to him. Yeah. It's, and, and we would read the Bible to him every night before he would go to bed. What was the next thing? We had to pray every day. Yeah. Spend time in prayer. And then the third thing was? Fasting. Fasting. We needed to have one fast day per week. Yep. And the reason why, so we had to read the Bible, because obviously it's the Word of God. Two, we need to be talking to the Lord. And then three, um, we had to have a fast day. And I think this is the only defining objective that Judah was excluded, excluded from. But prayer and reading the Bible... It was ride or die. The whole family was engaged and involved. So to recap where we've come from thus far, we've determined our values in the last episode. And then this episode thus far, we have answered the question, what is most important right now? And then what do we got to do in order to reach the answer to that question? We've, what do we got to do? What changes do we need to make? What, what habits need to be in place for us to accomplish this goal? The, the final question we need to ask ourselves is how do we use the answers to these questions? What do we do with all of this information? How, how do we talk about it? Right? Because one common mistake people make when setting goals is they put it all together. They make it very pretty. They have a wonderful Google Sheet, you know, spreadsheet template or they download some like nifty app for, you know, $1.99 at the app store and they make it all pretty and then they shelve it. And I feel like this is probably for us, this is one of the most important things that we did. After we walked through becoming a spiritually healthy family, prayer, reading the Bible, fasting, you know, we had to do something with that. We had to find a way to create a culture of accountability in our family. We had to create a rhythm of regularly tagging in with each other to see how we were doing as we accomplished the goal because it's ride or die. And we determined a specific time yeah. um, and place that we were going to talk about this each week. So we knew exactly where we were going to be when we had the conversation each week. Yeah. And so that's what you got to do. You take the, you take the answers to these questions and you need to have a weekly meeting about your, about these objectives, these defining objectives, these habits, these behaviors that you're going to now undertake to assess how well you're doing in accomplishing them. So are you being consistent and two, if you are being consistent, are they moving you closer to your ultimate goal? So how do we talk about this? How do we use all the information, everything that we've discussed thus far? You need to have a weekly meeting. And remember our principle that we talked about, I think, two episodes ago, fast, fast, fast. This is where that comes in. This weekly meeting should last about 10 minutes. 
20 minutes max if you really got to dig into something. But if it goes any longer than 20 minutes, you're doing something wrong. The idea of this system and the reason why it was so effective for us is that it, it wasn't arduous. It wasn't complicated. I think that's where so many people fall short is that they make life, the system of changing their life so complicated that they actually can't focus on changing their real actual life. And so what's cool was that we had a weekly meeting that was between 10 to 15 minutes long. Steph, why don't you talk, talk everyone through what we did? It was, it was super easy. So we decided it was kind of random, but we knew we were all going to be at the same place at the same time. And so we made it on our way home from church on Sunday in the vehicle. Yeah. So it wasn't like we had to create a special time for this. We were all already together at this time. In the car. Um, and that was the time that we would have our conversation each week. And I would pull out the phone and we would score each one of our objectives. Yeah. So in your family meeting, or if you're a single person and just a meeting you schedule with yourself, here's what you got to do. You got to review your rallying cry. We would do that. We would review our rallying cry. We'd read it out. And then we would assess our progress against our, our behaviors, our defining objectives. So we would say things like, when it, when it came to, when it came to prayer, when it came to Bible reading, when it came to fasting and we had, we would just be open with how we did that week. And then what we do is we would then score our objectives as a family, as a team. Remember we talked about the family as an organization and, and so, and this is where the ride or die concept comes in. This was hard. This was really hard. This was. And so we would, we would score green is good. Yellow would be like, eh, not really. And red, red was bad. Red was full stop. And then like it wouldn't work. And then, so once you score your defining objectives, once you score these behaviors, you discuss the red zones and then the yellow zones and ask yourself like, why, why was it so bad this week? What are we going to do to fix it this week? And whatever is in the red zone, whatever behavior habit fell through the cracks that week, that becomes the priority. And and this was hard. Steph, she's I wish you could see. She wants she's got something she needs to say. <laughs> I have to tell you that this was the hardest part of this whole process. Because I would get very upset if I had done all of my Bible reading. And Adam hadn't done some of his. And so we had to score as a family, not individually. So I couldn't be a green and he'd be a red. And so, but what that does is that it helps us as a family to create time for maybe somebody who doesn't have the same amount of time um, or opportunity to accomplish their goals. So instead of it just being like me checking off my list and being like, well, I was green all week. What happened to you, Adam? I could say to Adam in the, you know, at the end of the day, Adam, have you had a chance to read your Bible yet? And then provide space and time for him to do that because I cared about what he was doing. Yeah. And, and, and I'm so glad you brought that up now. I mean, as a minister of the gospel, I've, I've never struggled <laughs> with any of my spiritual disciplines. This was just, I mean, this was just as an example. Uh, I pray <laughs> so many of the hours every day. Um, no, no, I, I did. It was, it was, it was something where, you know, it would be, you get caught up in the grind of life and, and, and 
that is what's so good about this process is it wasn't about us doing something individually. It was about us succeeding together as a family. And I think that's so important. And, and, you know, um, when you, when you are single, you can be exclusively focused on yourself, but I'm here to tell you, if you're listening and, and you're, and you're in a serious relationship and you're about to get married, um, or maybe you're engaged or maybe you're newly married. We get a lot of, of, of people between the ages of like 18 and 25 that listen to this podcast. And, and then the next demographic is like, you know, 25 to 30. Listen to me. You got to stop viewing your life through an individualistic lens. Once you are in a serious relationship, or especially if you're married, it is ride or die. It is we either we either succeed together or we fail together. And if you're off crushing it and killing it, but your your spouse is languishing in accomplishing their part of the goal, then you have failed as 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 a member of the family. That's the filter that you got to take. Like if I'm um, if Stephanie was over there crushing it on her prayer and on her reading the Bible and her fasting. And I'm over here in the red zone. Like I'm bumbling, like I'm not doing very well at all. An individualistic approach to setting goals would say, Steph would be like, like she said earlier, I'm winning. Cool. I get the gold stars. You figure out what to do with your, with your disorganized self. But how this, how this works is you can't do that because we're a team. We're the most important team on the planet. We're the first organization that God ever created, and that's the family. And so, you know, wives, husbands, wherever you find yourself in the family relationship, if you're truly going to accomplish goals as a family, you need to accomplish them and chase after them as a family. And not only that, but also our, our son, Judah, as well. Yes. Talk about that. That was the most adorable part. So each week when we would do our, um, you know, have our meeting, he would, he would tell us how he did on each one of the goals. Yes. And so he would say if he'd missed Bible reading, then maybe he said, I was a yellow or yeah. green. I did it every day this week. And so he also had felt some responsibility in what we were doing and he felt a part of what we were doing. And I want to let you know that the ride or die concept, number one, creates, it, it creates like this where everyone's pulling for one another, but it also does create like some serious accountability. Like there is no way I was going to let a five-year-old, <laughs> you know, be in the word more than me. Like that was just not going to happen. And so I, it, it caused me to up my game. It really, it really, really did. And so, yeah, he was an active participant. And that was something that was so cool is this process was so simple. It was so profound that we were making a massive cultural shift in our family of praying and reading the Bible and fasting, rising to the level of the season of ministry that God had called us to. But it was so simple that a five-year-old was able to be a full co-participant in chasing this goal as a family. So when you're having your family meeting, if you got some stuff in there that's red or yellow, talk about them, like I said before. Why is it there? How are we going to fix it this week? Whatever's in the red zone becomes a priority. And and when this is, you got you to gotta stick this family tag in thing that you're going to do. It's, it's 10, 10, 
minutes, 20 minutes max, because the goal is not to discuss at length. The goal is not to browbeat. The goal is not to feel guilty about what, what wasn't done. The goal is to make decisions, fast decisions, fast, fast, fast decisions, and commit to action. The idea is uh, that by creating this giant global thematic goal, this, this rallying cry, and defining it with these qualitative habits and behaviors, you're going to have the freedom week to week to pivot and respond to the environment and create new action items as you go. So if, if we are both planning and structure people, like we really enjoy that. And so this model was great for us, but we also use this model in our local church. And we have people that we serve with on our teams. That they're not big structure people. And this model is still amazing for them because if, if you're listening to this and you're like, I've never really been a big planner or I've tried planning, I've never been able to stick to it. Well, what's great about this is at the end of this weekly meeting, your goal is just to get to action. Your goal is not to philosophize for us. It was about like why prayer was a struggle. No, it, it was it was like, okay, do we need to get up earlier? Or, you know, do I need to find a way to carve out space? Steph, can you help me carve out space in the evening? Or maybe it was like, you know, this fast day is an awful day because it's a really busy day this week. Let's pick another day to fast so that we can, you know, so that we can make sure that we're in the green zone uh, this coming week when it comes to fasting. Uh, and, and that was for us. And now your goal may not be to become a spiritually healthy family. Your goal may be to do something else. But the idea is that by scoring and moving to decisions and having a weekly tag in, it gives you the flexibility to be to be open um, with your week as, as it goes forward. Um, keep your scorecard in a visible place. For us, that was on our phones. Um, and, uh, and be consistent with those weekly meetings. You will create accountability in your life, in your family. If you know that every week at a certain time, everyone has to own their part of, of how they handle the process. You know, Adam, I'm, I've never been a person who enjoys new year's resolutions. And I no, think that, you know, that I do know that every year, Adam would always ask me, Steph, what are your new year's resolutions? And I'd say to him the same ones I had last year. And, and he gets so <laughs> frustrated with me because I, I got tired. I got really tired of setting goals and not achieving them. Yeah. And so I think that the, the best thing about this whole process, and I'm really passionate about it, I'll tell, I tell everybody about it. If you talk to me, I'm likely to tell you about this process. Absolutely. And one thing you need to, I think everyone needs to know about Steph is you're not constantly out there looking for, you know, new, new ideas. New on, ways to reinvent myself. Yeah, new ways to reinvent. Yeah. <laughs> <true>. new, <laughs> new ways to reinvent myself. Yeah. That is a perfect explanation. <laughs> Uh, of of your personality and but this you became very passionate about because i saw how in a short amount of time it literally changed our lives and i yeah. don't say that lately like i really don't but i can actually see how that these small actions that we made a priority in our entire family and so not just one person but as a family we made this a priority um, and, and over a short a period of time, it really made big changes in our lives. And, and, and I know that I alluded to it in, in previous things, but there was a time when, you know, we, 
we had a crazy day. Judah was at the doctor's and we knew that, you know, everything else in our day just got turned upside down. But I knew that I'd already accomplished in the morning. I had already accomplished the things that I needed to check off the list for, for our goals for that day. And so the objectives for that day. And so I knew that I already won the day. Yeah. So even if Judah you know, was sick and we're up all night with him and having croup and we might have to make a trip to emerge. Well, I, I still accomplished something that day because I knew that I'd already accomplished the objectives for the day. And so I could just see how it would, making those small changes really changed a lot in our lives. So not only can you make a massive change in a short time, but the one thing that we discovered and we were talking about it tonight as, as we were putting together our show notes that you have the ability not just to make massive change in a short time, but you have the ability to make cultural change in your family. And cultural change is amazing when that happens. Cultural change is when you no longer, you no longer operate the same way. You no longer function the same way that you used to. What was the example of that we're, we're talking about earlier? Um, one thing that we were talking about was how that Judah is now completing. He's it's November, so we are, you know, just over a month away from him completing his second full year in the in the uh, bread program for kids, and how that every day he goes and like very religiously we dare not miss very one. religious. If you miss, like heaven help you. <laughs> If you miss a night with that kid, you are making it up the next night. Yes, he and he doesn't forget in that he's he's dedicated to reading his Bible every single day. And 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 two years ago, I don't know if that would have been the case. No. And Judah, well, I was talking to him the other the other week, and he was he was disappointed to find out that he hadn't read the whole Bible through yet. And so for, yeah. for me, that was such an accomplishment because the, the bread program for kids is selections, but it's not the, it's not the whole Bible. Yeah. And here he is at seven and he's like, what you mean? I haven't read the whole thing yet. And, and what was really cool is speaking to cultural change. Judah and I had, I think we're reading acts 20. It's actually yeah, acts 20 where Paul is getting ready to, he's saying goodbye to his friends. Cause he won't, he won't see them anymore. And he was wondering why that was. And I explained, which is a great conversation to have with a seven-year-old, what martyrdom is um, and how Paul was going, he, he was going to give his life for the gospel. And, and Judah had all of these questions about mortality and life. And, and he's trying to wrestle with the fact that why is Paul not alive right now? And why did he die? Because, and then he st his counter arguments were quoting scriptures about Jesus, you know, defeating death and bringing life, Jesus being the resurrection and the life. Like he was quoting scriptures back to me that he had read. We hadn't had a chance to t talk about this yet. He was quoting scriptures back to me. I thought Jesus did this. I thought the gospel, and I had the opportunity to explain to him, yes, that's what heaven is. That's what heaven's about. That Paul is in the apostle Paul is in heaven right now with Jesus. And one day when Jesus returns, everyone who has died, their bodies will be resurrected from the grave. And we had this whole discussion in his room before bed tonight. And it was because 
not only did we make a massive change from being a spiritually okay family to like a, a very spiritually healthy family that's engaged with the Lord, but we have produced cultural change in that we don't have the same rallying cry anymore. But the change that we made, the reading the Bible, the prayer, and and all of that has lived on. And it's now just who we are as a family. And I would encourage you, if if you're listening right now, and you're you're getting ready to to maybe try this approach on, you know, determining your values, determining what's important right now. Ask yourself what's got to be true in order for that goal to be accomplished. Don't just pick things that will, you know, make slight improvements in your life. Actually be honest. What is the most important thing right now? What what can produce massive change and a cultural shift? in how me or in how me and my family operate together as a family unit. Because I, I really do believe that you can change more in your life than what you think can change in a much shorter time period if you just make your focus singular and you get after it with some accountability. Look, we're living proof, right, Steph? Mm-hmm that change can be made and cultural shifts can take place. And we, we've our rallying cries moved on. Uh, we have a temporary rallying cry right now um, with all this stuff that we're doing for our church to accomplish some goals for our church. But this process has now been the way that our family operates and the way our family solves problems and tackles goals and approaches growth. I'm here to tell you, you can make change. You can bring about cultural shift, make your focus singular, and get after it, make it happen, bring some accountability in your life. And I am confident that God will bless you as a result. Well, thank you so much for listening today. It has been amazing having my wife with me. And if you want to connect with her, you can connect with her on Instagram. Her Instagram handle or name is Steffi underscore Shaw. So S-T-E-P-H-Y underscore Shaw. We'd love to help you if you have any questions or you are beginning to follow this model and, and you want to bounce some ideas off us. We are open. Send us a message. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to those that have been leaving reviews. It, it means the world when you leave us a review. Uh, and so if you've not given us a review or a star rating, please do so. It helps us uh, get up in the rankings on Apple charts. And uh, it is just it would just be good to have more apostolic content uh, reaching a broader audience. So thank you so much in advance for your star rating and your review. Share this episode and or this series that I did with Steph on uh, with someone you know, someone in your family. And uh, please know that we believe in you. We love you. We're praying for you. Together we can accomplish some amazing things for God. And so know that we've got your back and we're in your corner. Y'all have a great day. And as always... God bless.